Musings on History. Episode 2.6, Not Your Mother's Nobunaga. about podcasting and I'm happy to announce that I've started a newsletter. You can find it at musingshistory.substack.com. That's musings with an S, history, all one word, dot substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. I'll be sharing historical vignettes mostly relating to current events and plugging the latest news for the podcast. I really appreciate all the support that I've gotten thus far. So thank you guys and stay tuned. So to recap, Tokugawa Ayasu, since that is finally his name now, started off as a hostage to first the Oda and then the Imagawa, was released from the Oda by the Imagawa and then released from the Imagawa by the Oda in a way. Married and had a child, that wife and child were taken hostage, so he took someone else's children hostage to get them back. Allied with the Takeda to decimate the Imagawa, then allied with the Yasugi to decimate the Takeda. That takes the better part of a decade, but by 1582, Tokugawa and his mentor, Oda Nobunaga, have combined forces and have taken another province, Kai province, from the Takeda. So now the Oda-Tokugawa alliance controls the Oda's native Owari province, the Tokugawa's native Mikawa province, the formerly Iwagawa-held Suguru and Totomi provinces, and the former Takeda-held Kai province. Oda Nobunaka is another fascinating general from this time period. He was one of the first samurai to utilize the arquebus which is an early German long gun that had been introduced to the Japanese by Portuguese traders. At the Battle of Nakashino in 1575, Nobunaga had arranged his arquebusiers on wooden palisades, giving them more of a height advantage and in a zigzag pattern to attach to attack Takeda Shingen's irrepressible cavalry in volley. So in these early long guns, like the arquebus, you know, you could only get off maybe a shot and then it wasn't very accurate either. But it took a long time to, you know, reload and refill the gun. So when you have your arquebusiers uh, fighting kind of like at an equal height to a samurai or a soldier that's on a horse, which is what the cavalry was, and Takeda Shingen was one of the first samurai to utilize cavalry in warfare. So you have these two legendary samurai daimyos going head to head using these uh, novel and revolutionary techniques and equipment. So when you have them firing in volleys, as soon as the first wave fires, then they can lower and reload. And then the next wave is already primed and ready to shoot. And so it's kind of like, early machine gun technology except with people because you have these waves of uh, artillery firing at you. 
So that was pretty novel. So much, in fact, that this battle has been cited by historians as the first modern battle in Japanese history. And indeed, Oda Nobunaga and Takeda Shingen were the first samurai to utilize both the arquebus and the cavalry as a separate unit in battle. Sadly, Oda Nobunaga's genius was not for long in this world, as he was betrayed by one of his generals, Akechi Mitsuhude, uh, in 1582, and forced to commit seppuku. Tokugawa was in Osaka on another campaign when the word reached him, and he hastily beat back to Mikawa to mobilize his army, only to learn that Toyotomi Hideyoshi had already defeated Akechi Mitsuhude at the Battle of Yamazaki. While Tokugawa was very loyal to Nobunaga and Hideyoshi was very grateful, both men knew that the death of the great daimyo meant that some of his conquered provinces were up for grabs, as was the fealty of the vassals who controlled those conquered provinces in his name. Some of these vassals were also, of course, trying to make power moves themselves, such as when the leader of Kai province killed one of Tokugawa's aides. In return, Tokugawa promptly invaded Kai province, killed the leader and his entire family, taking control of the province in his own right. Now, this move didn't sit well with the daimyo of the Hojo clan, but Tokugawa was able to negotiate with him to retain control over most of Kai and Shinano provinces, although Hojo Ujimasa had a much larger army and could have taken over all of Kai province and Shinano as well. But Tokugawa was a master of posturing and letting rival generals think that he had more soldiers than he actually had, and also letting them believe that he had alliances that he didn't actually have. The way that he was able to do this was uh, using peasants and ninja to spread false stories saying, oh, Tokugawa is taking meetings with the leader of this clan, who is, of course, your enemy. So if you don't make friends with him, then he's just going to ally himself with two or three of your closest enemies and wipe you out. None of that would be true, but they don't know that. And he also liked to vastly inflate his troop numbers, which when you read his writings, you have to do so with a grain of salt because he was a master propagandist, just like who? Julius Caesar. Tokugawa could have taken on Toyotomi Hideyoshi as soon as Oda Nobunaga was dead, but he was known for his wisdom and caution. And while he did not outright rebel against Hideyoshi, who became the most powerful daimyo in Japan after the Battle of Shizukitaki in 1583, he did support the cause of Oda Nobukatsu, Oda Nobunaga's son and heir, over Hideyoshi as the lord of Nobunaga's provinces. This was extremely dangerous as Hideyoshi's troops outnumbered Tokugawa's three to one, but Tokugawa was able to quickly take Owari province, which was the Oda seat of power. Now, Owari province was in a mountainous area, so it made it naturally difficult to conquer. Hideyoshi nonetheless sent his army into Owari in what became known as the Komaki Campaign. It lasted five years and it was largely fruitless with the two samurai seemingly knowing too much about one another and thus continually checking one another's moves, kind of like Caesar and Pompey again uh, in the Alexandrian Wars. They just had too much in common. They knew too much about how each other thought and, and sometimes 
Tokugawa was able to get into Hideyoshi's head, etc., etc. So after five years, uh, Hideyoshi settled the war by negotiating with Tokugawa over a game of Go, which is a Japanese strategy game. So the two of them met, played Go, talked things out, and agreed for a truce and a deal with Oda Nobukatsu. So Hideyoshi uh, then took Tokugawa's second son, Ogimaru, as his adopted son, which entitled him to, you know, being Hideyoshi's heir. After this, it was another five years before Tokugawa and Hideyoshi fought together again as allies since Hideyoshi did not completely trust Tokugawa. Hideyoshi went on to conquer Shikoku and Kyushu Islands, which made him extremely powerful because now he controls large areas of Honshu Island, which is the, I don't know if it's the biggest island or if Hokkaido is the biggest island, but it's definitely the most populous island. It's the island where Kyoto and Tokyo are. Um, And Tokugawa did not participate in these campaigns. But when Hideyoshi attacked the Hojo clan, Tokugawa was never very fond of the Hojo clan, uh, and who lived in the Kanto region, Tokugawa joined forces with Hideyoshi. Hideyoshi offered him a deal to remain in Kanto as its ruler in exchange for Mikawa and four other provinces, which Tokugawa accepted. He moved into Edo Castle, uh, which is why the reign of the Tokugawa clan is often called the Edo period. And although it seemed like he was kind of accepting a sort of exile, Tokugawa, like Caesar, brilliant on the battlefield, but definitely even more so in administration. And so he accepted this deal to be moved all the way north into the Kanto region, far away from Kyoto. Everybody's goal was to take over Kyoto and become the emperor shogun. When... Tokugawa decided to move a little further up. I think the Kanto region is where Tokyo is or close to it. When he decided to move up to the Kanto region, he was sort of eliminating himself as a threat to Toyotomi Hideyoshi and his power moves in the southern part of Honshu and also in Shikoku and Kyushu Islands. So it looked like a retreat, but... He did this gladly because it meant that Hideyoshi wasn't going to be watching everything that he does. Hideyoshi thinks I've gotten this guy out of the way. Whereas Tokugawa thinks now I have some time where I don't have to fight and I can focus on my other love, administration, making my region prosperous. So he reformed the Kanto region pacified the Hojo samurai, and implemented economic and agricultural reforms that made the Kanto region the most prosperous region and the most peaceful region in all of, um, at least all of Honshu Island. And he was beloved by the people for this. Kanto region had very few outright wars, very few skirmishes. The Hojo samurai started to get more involved in commerce. The ninja in that area started to get more involved in commerce. Satori Hanzo became very famous during this time uh, for his the teachings of his swordsmanship. 
the art started to flourish. Uh, the Edo period is known as uh, one of the great arts flourishing periods of Japanese history. And it was all because he accepted defeat, sort of, but not really. So by accepting this deal that Hideyoshi offered him to get him out of the way and probably killed, because again, the Hojo clan had never really liked Tokugawa or the Matsudaira, had fought them repeatedly in the past. They were always on opposite sides of every conflict. So moving him to Kanto was, I mean, he would, Hideyoshi was expecting the Kanto, the Hojo aligned samurai to murder Tokugawa probably within the year. Instead, they became very loyal to him. And in the process of trying to eliminate him, Tokugawa became the second most powerful daimyo in Japan within like five years. This plan was so brilliant that a Japanese proverb now states, Ayasu won the empire by retreating. In a further demonstration of his foresight and caution, Tokugawa again declined to participate in Hideyoshi's 1592 campaigns in China and Korea, which were pretty disastrous and embittered a lot of daimyo towards Hideyoshi and his clan. And so with his health failing, Toyotomi Hideyoshi had appointed a council of five elders to serve as regent for his son, Toyotomi Hideyori. The, these regents or Teiro were Maeretoshi, not sure if I said that right. Mori Teramoto, Yukita Hedei, Yusegi Kagakatsu, and Tokugawa himself. After months of sickness, Toyotomi Hideyoshi died on September 18th, 1598, and was succeeded by his son, Toyotomi Hideyori, who was only five years old. Tokugawa quickly made alliances with the various daimyo who had never liked the upjumped Hideyoshi and also the ones that were embittered and had become like impoverished or their clan had been decimated in these disastrous campaigns in China and Korea. And he was also really happy and felt pretty lucky when the most respected of the regents, Toshie Maeda, died after a year. Tokugawa moved quickly to secure power over Hideyori, moving his army into Fushimi and taking over Osaka Castle, which angered the remaining Teiro and split the daimyo into factions. In a surprise twist, one of the daimyo who was plotting Tokugawa's usurpation, Ishida Mitsunari, fell out of favor with his own daimyo and ran to none other than Tokugawa himself for help. Although Tokugawa's generals had wanted to kill Mitsunari, because he was plotting against Tokugawa, Tokugawa surmised that having a traitor whose life he held in his hands, controlling the enemy army, put him in a much better position than having one of the other regents leading it. So although Ishida Mitsunari was technically on the side of the other regents, Tokugawa was protecting him and he knew it. So when they line up for battle, when you know that the main reason why you're alive is because the guy that you're about to fight against is keeping you alive, what do you think you're probably going to end up doing in battle? Exactly. 
So nearly all the provinces and clans of Japan were thus split at this time between Mitsunari and anti-Mitsunari factions by 1600. And the stage was thus set for the famous Battle of Sekigahara where Tokugawa Ayasu would submit his name as one of the greatest generals in Japanese and world history. Next episode, I'm going to get into the pivotal battle of Sekigahara and how Tokugawa's victory there essentially ends the Sengoku period and ushers in the Tokugawa Shogunate. Join me next time for more musings on...